Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Glad I played. I didn't know there was a dinner the night before. I didn't go, so I didn't know. Apparently it's, I didn't know there was a charge to play in the tournament. <laughs> and apparently that includes the dinner. So oh. well, you'll call up and, and, and challenge the charge. No, I won't. I mean, I didn't. I just didn't know there was the dinner. Well, you'll just say I didn't know. So I think you should. You should no, sort of put I a box to together that. for me, so I have something to. You know, that would be nice. <laughs> right. If they yeah. gave me a box just of the a pint of the ice cream, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the chocolate ice cream. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Let me deal with uh, last night's game quickly. I watched a. Less than half. So you didn't game. get the make good on the ice cream? No, I didn't. I didn't do it yet. Hmm. I'm, I'm thinking. I, I want to get the bill. Well, the end first. of the month is, is approaching. Yeah, I want to get the bill first. <laughs> see if you hit the minimum. Off. Yeah. See what happens. See if I could get some ice cream. I didn't even watch half the game last night. But every every minute I watched was on the Manning cast. Every I didn't watch. You know, and, and look, I think Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are really good. Sure. I like them personally. I think they do a great job. Happy they're on ESPN. I watched Peyton and Eli. I, that's all I watched was Peyton and Eli because I wasn't that intrigued by the game. And it, the game took need, a while to get off. I didn't need play-by-play on the game. I didn't. I don't believe in the Giants when they, oh the Giants are undefeated. Stop, okay, stop. Uh, and I don't think back. Dallas is very good. Um, Dallas, Mike McCarthy, who everybody says is a terrible coach, went for it on fourth and four late in the game, fourth and four, and made it a pass to C.D. Lamb, and then Lamb made that one or two-yard catch in the end zone that I've seen on replay. That is, If you want to talk about catches that are made in Giants Stadium and you talk about Odell Beckham Jr., that's an Odell Beckham Jr. catch. That's a great catch. But the game held no particular interest in me. You also watched the Mannings. So were you still with the Manning cast when they came back in the third? It was, it was a tie game? No. Okay, so at this point, I saw Jimmy Johnson early, and you yeah. always wait, like, who's going to be the next guest? And they say a name that I'm not sure you know, Tracy Morgan. I know Tracy Great Morgan. Great physical comedian. actor. Uh, yeah. Comedian. And he was Tracy on the show Morgan called... Tracy Morgan was in one of, the, one of the episodes of Listen Up. Seriously? Yeah, Tracy Morgan was in one of the episodes of Listen Up. Did he yep. play my dad? No, I... Your dad. <laughs> no. Uh, no, so he was on 30 Rock, and it felt, honestly, like an episode of 30 Rock. You, you sort of kept on hear, expecting to hear, like, shut it down, or Dot .com and Grizz <laughs> to show up in the background. <laughs> Um, he's on. He was in that terrible bus crash. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes. So like at this point, it's just years. great to see him in anything, yeah. and to see Peyton give up control to someone who is just a wild card. Eli's smirking in the bottom half of the screen, just going, "I love where this is going." <laughs> he starts making dad jokes about to- Tony Dorsett being his biological father, <laughs> and that he went to high school with Saquon's dad. Yeah. <laughs> do we do we believe any of that? None of it. Although yeah. Eli, at no, some point no. with, with the the bar, uh, with Saquon's dad reference, goes like, "That one actually might be true." He opens up by going like. I showed up in my custom Ferraris. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I miss that, but I do, I find myself drawn to uh, Peyton and Eli. And Michael, your theory about Eli is, is best. I think he's the secret sauce. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, everyone's been watching his, uh, that where he goes behind the scenes and tries to try out for the, uh, right. for the college football team, Chad Powers. <laughs> That's funny. Think fast, run yeah. fast. What, that was the shirt that, uh, that Peyton was yeah. wearing. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that was, that was a great bit. They are they are on their own out there. They do what they want. They own the production company, I guess, and they're on their own. And Peyton is smarter than everybody. He is. <laughs> he's smarter than everybody. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the most likable guy in the world because he holds to his opinions very strongly and he is at times overpoweringly smart. You know, but Peyton is... 
boy, he's talented. You can read boy, it in his talented. eyes as he sees a play developing where you can see it just, he sharpens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, I mean, I go back to that. When Saturday, I did Monday Night Football, I really enjoyed him. Yeah. That Saturday Night Live sketch he did. When that, he threw the ball at the kid. <laughs> right. It's brilliant. That's yeah. 20 years ago. Right. Uh, that's when he said, all right, this guy's the real deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, <laughs> I just watched that. I was going to go on and on about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant spoke. Man, just let me just read you a couple of quotes from Kevin Durant. Um, I'm getting older. I want to be in a place that's stable and trying to build a championship culture. I had some doubts about that. I voiced them to Joe, Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, and we moved from there. I wanted everybody to be held accountable for their habits as a basketball player every day. I think a lot of stuff was getting swept under the rug because we're injured or this guy's not around or just the circumstances. I thought we could have focus, we could have fought through that a little more and focused on the guys who were here a little bit more. When I went out with the injury, we lost 11 in a row, and I'm like, we shouldn't be losing some of these games that we lost regardless of who was on the floor. Kyrie Irving didn't play. Yeah. You're his good friend. You didn't say this is wrong. You stood for him. He didn't play. You want people to be accountable? How about him being accountable? He was never accountable. He just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm. And by the way, what he said at the beginning of that? Where championship he says, culture? Yeah, I want to go with the stable about, team and with well, championship. Well, how could it you? It was have, Golden State. Yeah. yeah. Championship <laughs> culture is what happens when you leave. You were there. You had to. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, just, I don't know. I just. I, my feeling about Kevin Durant is that he is a chronically unhappy human being. He's yeah. never happy. Feels that way. He's never happy, no matter what happens. He's just never happy. He says, I never walk into any GM's office or coach's office and demand anything. I come in and do my job as a player, which is to be coachable, work as hard as I can and be available. A lot of people got that in their minds that I control everything here with the Nets. I only control my job. My job is to be a player. Their relationship, they had to figure that out on their own. I'm not the liaison between Kyrie and the organization. Well, yeah, you were. Yeah, because you, you said, let's play there. You know, it's... Uh, Kevin Durant, when you talk about accountability, you just can't say, all I am is a player. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You're the best player in the world. <laughs> the best. You're more than just a player. So. This unhappiness wouldn't have happened if you just came to D.C. for That's, one meeting. Yeah. yeah. Gonna say, does this help do. or hurt his chances? KDDC. I'm going to have to talk about this. Yeah, Wilbon is going to go crazy. What was I say? I don't even want to talk about the football game. Let's talk, you know, and we're just going to go on and on. And I'm going to say it on television that he's not happy. He's just not a happy guy. Let me get to a couple of emails. It's a great email here. I told you the story about going to Needwood, running into Neville. Right. Yes. Fantastic. Email begins, it's Neville. And yeah, it's that Neville. <laughs> You can only imagine my surprise and joy to see TK slumming with the Littles on a Saturday afternoon at Needwood Golf Course. I appreciated the effort to leverage Do You Know Who I Am to get me in your group, as I was just a single paired up with several strangers. Well, the woman in my group missed one fairway all day and could have broken 80 if she'd putted better. I played okay, and I would have broke 90, except I three-putted 18. Tough, tough closing hole. I went in the water twice on 18. I just said, put me down for an eight. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was playing the gold tees, too. However, the best thing occurred when the starter, apparently in an attempt at one upsmanship, said to me, I see you know Kornheiser. I guess I'm going to have to bring my buddy Kevin Sheehan to play. <laughs> so somebody should say, tell that to Kevin. So that's the email from Neville. That's great. Thanks, Neville. And another one. I'd like more of a hole-by-hole breakdown yes. of his round. <laughs> yeah, you should We got have... 18, but... Yeah. <laughs> to answer Michael's question... Where and how about meeting Tony Beeson? I went on the Loyal Littles podcast, episode 172. 
And besides telling my life story, I mentioned that I'm a traveling salesman and was leaving that Sunday, the 18th of September, to drive to Centerville, Ohio for business. Chuck and Roxy warned me with that information some littles might track me down. Lo and behold, I'm pulling into my hotel. Tony B emails me and asks if he could come by. What was I going to say? No. Nice guy. Regards, DG. <laughs> just, his life, is it's an ongoing, it's like you're on the road with DG. Yeah. Right? You're on the road with DG. So I don't, I don't really have anything else. I'm, I'm, it's the, what do you think of Durant? You're far younger than I. Durant's a great no player. Thoughts. No thoughts. What do you think of Durant? I think he's a great player, and it, it just sort of baffles me that, you know, he's become this guy who, who, as you said, seems to have this, like, interior scowl all the time. Why was I happy when Golden State won without him this past year? Why was I happy? Because it was... I mean, the, the guy, he goes to the Olympics. He's the best player in the world. Yeah. He's never happy. And to somehow say, to, I, I mean, I envision him, maybe I'm wrong, I envision him sort of behind the scenes being an agitator with management. I do. And yeah, he says, I see all that. I do, all I am as a player, all I am as a player. I don't know. And I, he, when I he think says in Le- the NBA, I think LeBron is more than a player. Of course I he is. I think Chris Paul is more than a player. I, I think that... that I think Draymond, of, Draymond Green is more of a player. I think a lot of the great players are more than players. I think Antetokounmpo is more than just a player. Yeah. When you're a guy at that level... You're not a guy just showing up and, and, okay, I'm here to play. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So, yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, and it's disappointing because he's so brilliant. I mean, you've he's never a seen a player, player like him. He's, he's just, just so good. And he is the only player in the world that I would say this about. He is an unstoppable player. Yeah. He's a seven-foot-tall guy with a jump shot <laughs> who's quick, who can handle the ball. You cannot stop him. Yeah. If he's on, you cannot stop him. Luka Doncic is almost unstoppable, but he's not as quick as no. this guy. Durant's gone right no, by just, him. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Um, we'll start the show. We have Chuck Todd when we return. We do. Chuck Todd had a big week, 6-1. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening, you're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Stephen Dawson. This is a band called Virginia Coalition that Michael has heard of, right? You've heard their music. Yeah. This is a song called Stella. It's a rock song, Stephen writes, from an old album of ours when we were young and cool. Uh, they're playing the main stage at the sold-out Ocean's Calling Festival in Ocean City on September 30th with Dave Matthews, OAR, and Group Love and a bunch of other rock stars. And Stephen writes, even my kids think I'm cool. That's, you know, that's really good. Again, this is called Stella. It plays in Chuck Todd. Before we get to Chuck Todd, I have this email about Chuck from Chris Horn. It says, as a band director, back to school night can be quite the challenge as most parents skip my talk in favor of hassling a sixth grade English teacher about why their kid isn't yet accepted to Harvard or the prestigious Binghamton University. But this year was different. A wonderful family waited until the end of the questions for the teacher line to ask, 
Was I indeed the Chris Horn who had an email read on the Tony Kornheiser show last year? That's unbelievable. <laughs> Pride filled their eyes and mine when I said yes. I wrote the one bashing Chuck Todd for big-timing us band directors. As far as I'm concerned, that trumps a Teacher of the Year medal anyway. We have a picture of Chuck Todd hanging in the band room. Whenever a kid quits the band, one of us pats the picture and says, another one headed to cable news. Probably an easier road. When oh, did, man. When did you bash the, the band director? I don't remember. I didn't bash band directors. I said, I, I said I, that isn't what I, I figured. That's what I would end up doing for a living, and I didn't want to do that. No, it's not I, You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not bashing the band directors in my life. Right. Who sort of got me where I am. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. By the way, Chuck Todd, six and one. Six closing. And one. Yes, to take that. Yeah, closing you know? with <laughs> Dallas last night. Six, Hail to that. Yeah, six and one, 12 and nine overall. Very, very good week. You have any theories as to what's going on in the NFL? The games are great, but. Some of these lines, the lines I'm going to give you t- today make no sense to me, some of them. so Well, look, I'll just say this. It was something, and I'm sorry I didn't notice it sooner over the weekend, but um, right before kickoff, nine games. There were nine games featuring home teams that were underdogs. And early in the season, there's always a week like that, and it, and it has to do with too many. Um, Vegas is, is still looking at the teams. Everybody's looking at the teams as they thought they were before the season started still yeah. versus actually evaluating the team as they actually are, you know? And I think it was a combination of both. Well, let's so, get, yeah, let's get to know. this. The first is a line that I don't understand at all. And, and Nigel changed the line on me today by a half point, and I understand it less. Miami plus three and a half at Cincinnati. Miami has been, in terms of who they have beaten this year, Miami has been the most impressive team. They went into Baltimore. They took over a 21-point deficit in the fourth quarter. They threw four touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. And then they just beat Buffalo. And they're at Cincinnati. And Cincinnati finally won. And Cincinnati was close in the games they lost. And Cincinnati is pretty good. But Miami plus three and a half, I would run away from this game. How about you? Uh, uh, I'm all over Cincinnati. And here's why. So Miami plays the game they played against Buffalo. First of all, look at Miami's first three games. Tough. Right? You know, very well, physical, second, very tough. Second two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Miami, you know, yeah. so you have the New Ravens, England. you have New England, and you have Buffalo. So you have three physically exhausting games. You have that game out in the heat where clearly they just ran out of gas. You have a Miami Dolphins defense that was sitting out there for, what, 91 plays? Yeah. Right? Something like yeah. that. And, oh, by the way, this game's Thursday, and Miami was a home team in that heat on Sunday, and they have to go on the road one day of practice, essentially, for Thursday. That's why that line's what it is. And you're, you're on Cincinnati. And I'm all over, I'll be on Cincinnati okay. for all of those reasons. Uh, Miami, nothing to do, by the way, Miami could be everything you think they are and still lose this game for all the reasons. Like, this is just a terrible spot for them. Okay. Here's Buffalo, which lost to Miami, and by the way, could have and should have won the game. There's a guy open in the right near corner of the end zone, and Josh Allen, who's really good, short-armed the ball and went down on his knees when he did that because he knew that that could cost them the game. Mm-hmm. Buffalo travels at Baltimore. This is their second road game in a row. Baltimore has the early line leader on MVP, betting on himself, Lamar Jackson, who looks really good so far. Buffalo is the, is the road favorite. 
giving away three and a half at a good team that is unlikely to get embarrassed again like they were by Miami. Who do you take in this game? Now, this is the hard for me with the hardest game on the board. Right. Um, I think this is the hardest game because uh, Buffalo coming off the loss, um, the Ravens are flying high. I, if I have to be honest, if I'm going to pick a side, I'm going to pick Buffalo um, because you, you, are they going to lose two in a row? You know, it's hard to imagine that's going to happen much this season. It may, and maybe this is the spot that it happens. But right. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take Buffalo, but this is, that's the game. That, you know, we've had some terrible – we've got to start flexing these Sunday night games now. They've been bad. I mean, these, they've been terrible. Three in a row like are the worst bad. 11-10? You don't like that? Three, three in a <laughs> row. When you get out of the red zone on Sunday and you have this crash, that. these yeah. games stink. And they look good on paper. They stink. So, yeah, it's like anyway. being, yeah, that's a crash, all right. Yeah. It's like what happened to 80s Wall Street traders. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Jacksonville, overnight, overnight by Doug Peterson, overnight has become rather formidable. They're at Philadelphia, the other 3-0 team. Miami is 3-0 and Philadelphia is 3-0. There is drama in this. Doug Peterson returns to Philadelphia where he won a Super Bowl and then was fired because he didn't get along with the owner. That stuff happens. It's the only good hire that Shad Khan has ever made. He stinks at Jacksonville, and he made a good hire. And Doug Peterson already has Trevor Lawrence looking like a number one pick, and Jacksonville is getting six and a half. This, I, I, if there's ever such a thing as motivation, Doug Peterson has it, and he gets mm-hmm. six and a half. Who do you like? Hey, what's more likely, that Doug Peterson's one of the greatest coaches of all time or Urban Meyer's one of the worst <laughs> coaches of all time? It's more likely that Urban Meyer on a pro level was, one of, was the worst coach of all time. He, did, he was not ready for it. He was not, it's not that he was not equipped to do it. He was not ready for it and did not do it, didn't even try to do it. But Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with hello, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, and that's not happening again. I, I believe if he were on the field, they would have called him a game manager. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he game managed his way to a Super Bowl win. This is, I really want to take Jacksonville here, can't. but this is also feels can't. like a tough spot. Yeah, I can't. And, and you're, you're, the same, you're in the same, it feels like, because this is the week everybody's smelling Jacksonville. Oh, look at them. They're awesome. They're this. They're that. They're the best. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Eagles on this one. Yeah, I agree with that one. Denver is at Las Vegas. Las Vegas has no wins. Denver shouldn't have any wins. Uh, Denver is getting two on the road at Las Vegas against a winless team. Who you got? This is this. Ha- I mean, Mark Davis didn't he take the coach into the uh, into the um, locker room or something? They had a private one on one. Oh, is that right? Mark Davis or something? I don't know. Wow. I, I Josh McDaniels has been scolded already. <laughs> Again, yeah, I don't know. I thought I heard this on another uh, yesterday. Belichick has not produced one coach yeah. in the NFL who's been great or even good or even good. So, but if this is not a you know kitchen sink game for the Raiders, sure. then I don't know what it. I agree totally. So, and I think, in fact, this game opened. Raiders were getting points, um, and it flipped in 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, I agree with for you. what it's worth. Kansas City just lost. Tampa Bay just lost. Um, Tom Brady looked old until the last three minutes. Then he looked great. These are teams that have just lost. These are powerhouse teams. Kansas City is favored 
by two and a half at Tampa Bay, which is really an injured team at the moment. Who do you like? For all the reasons I would have been, and I was on Green Bay, but I still can't believe they only scored 14 points with all those injuries uh, that Tampa was, was dealing with. I, you know, unless this Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy like feud is, is something serious, you've got to think Kansas City bounces back. That was just, that's another one for, with Buffalo. Does Kansas City lose two in a row this season? It's, uh, those are very good teams. Tampa Bay can lose two in a row and still win. Yes. You know. Especially that division. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You'll take Kansas City. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the L.A. Rams are getting two at San Francisco. San Francisco <laughs> just scored 10 points against <laughs> Denver. Um, and they scored 12 if you count Garoppolo's safety. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but San Francisco in the regular season – Beats Los Angeles all the time. All the time. Yeah, they do. So this is, this is a bet. This is a second-level bet. Will you take the Rams plus two? It, I'm, the reason I want to be with the Rams is uh, a physical late game um, and all of those reasons. And that just doesn't look like a team that can score a lot. And the Rams feel like a team that I guess I'm not ready to say that their 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 hangover is is over, but at some point they're going to snap out of this, and they're going to have their big game. Uh, I it's probably not going to be against a division rival, but I guess I, at the end of the day, I like taking uh, the team getting points in a interdivisional game. Okay, so give me the Rams. Okay. Well, that sets up your next pick, which I think mm-hmm. I think you will not actually take the team getting points on this, but maybe you will. The Washington football team, a bad team, is at mm-hmm. Dallas. At the moment, they are getting three. So if you like Dallas, because that line's going to change because yeah. of last night. That line's going to change. You can lock in. If you like Dallas, you can only give three against Washington. But you mm-hmm. say you like taking in a divisional game teams getting points. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, how I talked myself into a mistake <laughs> um, last week. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm not going to do that, especially, as you say, by tomorrow morning, that line will be five. Yeah, that's what I think. Five. Yeah, yeah, that's what so, I think. So, yeah, give me, uh, give, me, give me Dallas. That's uh, the Washington football team, the Washington Nationals. It's not good. No. Not good. No. And by the way, all these baseball teams are now for, for sale. The Angels, the Orioles. This isn't good for the Nationals. This is going to take a lot longer. Too many teams on the market. The Nats just lost number 100 last night. Less than just, three years ago, they won the World Series. That was humiliating against the Braves last night, by the way. It was just sort of watching, come on. It was like you find out your kid's JV team is like playing a varsity team at another school. You're like, come on. It is hard for me to believe that the people in charge of that team will be in charge next year. Oh, it's, it's hard for me to believe, but it maybe. Is, you know, yeah. I, it just, the entire pitching, coaching team from, from single A, rookie ball, all the way up, what they do to pitchers is... is some of the, it ha- I mean, they developed nobody. I have no nobody. faith in this guy, Hickey. I have no faith in him at all. He walks yeah. out to the mound. He covers his mouth. He writes things down and takes no. I, I just, it never works. It never works. Thank you, Chuck. Good luck this all right, week. Guys. 
Chuck Todd yeah. six and one last week. And if we gave you just Chuck Todd, that'd be enough. But we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Not just Sing going along, to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's got the vice spine too. Sometimes he throws poo, 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 poo. And he's had too much Johnny Walker blue. So Reginald was one and two last week. Yeah, he's five and five overall. Do I have that right, or is he five and four? I overall? think he's five and four. Five and four overall. He has a winning record. Everybody has a winning record. Carver was three and two. Jeff Ma was four and one. Everybody has a winning record. Right. That's not going to last forever. No, probably not after this week for for the monkey at least. All right, go but ahead. you know he is a monkey and he's above five hundred. That's right. What more can you expect yeah. from him? So I went down to the National Zoo and he was very excited. He's been working on this project. Has not told me anything about it. And yesterday, he revealed all the details. He's launching a brand new cereal to put out into the marketplace. It's called Monkey-O's. Monkey-O's. Yes, I want to get some of the, the, the data right. It says, made with organic grain and oats and free-range grubs. So okay, it has grubs. 72 grams of protein in every single bowl. Fantastic. Yes. Monkey-O's. Mm, have yourself a bowl. A lot of fiber in that? A lot of, lot of fiber, with yes. With the grubs. Yes, with the grubs. <laughs> Uh, so we took a break from those plans uh, to go over some of these matches. And the first one was the Thursday night game. Miami getting three and a half at Cincinnati. He showed me an old faded photograph of him eating a piece of cake and then taking a nap next to Hyman Roth. There you go. That tells me he's got ties to the Miami area. He Absolutely. will take the three and a half. Now I know I have a partner. <laughs> the next match we gave him was uh, Jacksonville getting six and a half at Philadelphia. Now, Based on the news he gave me about Monkey-O's, he was very excited to show me some paperwork that Waffle House is ready to be the exclusive home for Monkey-O's, including the 412 Waffle Houses throughout the Jacksonville area. I was going to say, you can't go two blocks <laughs> in Jacksonville without running into a Waffle House. Right. Happy birthday to everyone ever born except Tony, Tony Kornheiser. Yeah. We've got that picture. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that tells me he's going to take Jacksonville with this six and a half. Might be foolish. Might be buying that high, but, you know, he's, uh, he's a silly monkey sometimes. And, of course, the last match we gave him was, uh, was the Washington football team getting three at Dallas. And he uh, showed me another photograph of him snorkeling in Barbados with Gary Hogaboom, Tom Landry, and Randy White. So he's going Dallas. He's going Dallas on this one, yeah. He went Dallas the other day. Yeah, or, or not Dallas. No, he went against the uh, against yeah. the uh, the so Washington team. He and team. Chuck are aligned on this. On this one, one yeah, they seem to be aligned on, on the Washington Every games. Every once so. in a while, well, Washington, it's hard to bet Washington. Yes. Yeah, Reggie's a big sell the team, Dan guy. Yeah, he actually, yeah, he is. He's collected a lot of signatures for that. All righty, uh, we will have Chuck Culpepper when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Virginia Coalition. This is called Bad Motivator. Stephen Dawson writes, it's a new song that we modeled after the Beatles' Run For Your Life, which has always fascinated me, particularly that John's religious comments in 1965 caused album burnings, but his fictional threats to murder his ex, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man, were not met with much controversy. <laughs> anyway, this is our take on that, um, but in a futuristic Star Wars setting. Too much information, I suppose. And once again, Virginia Coalition will be at the Ocean's Calling Festival in Ocean City, on September 30th with Dave Matthews, OAR, and Group Love and a bunch of other rock stars, which is very cool. Michael, if bands like Virginia Coalition want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Chuck Culpepper joins us now, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the President's Cup and a lot about college football. 
you went you went to the president's cup for one day is that what happened did you go to charlotte for one day i did the last day just the last day how come i was at two football games on saturday yeah. Uh, Clemson at Wake Forest, and then I went to South Carolina State at North Carolina A&T nearby, and just because I couldn't, that still wasn't enough on the weekend, I went down to Charlotte for the golf, just for, for one day. I'll go out of order for a second. That quarterback at Wake is good, isn't he? He's yes, he good. Is. Yes, he is. Yeah. Maybe it's hard to tell uh, how good he, he projects toward the NFL, because of the scheme they run and it's different and everything, but but he is he's terrific to watch and uh, felt sorry for him a little bit Saturday after after that effort and then they you know they they lose in double overtime. It's ninety points scored in that game. <laughs> that must be great to watch, right? Unless you unless good. you like watching eleven ten on Sunday <laughs> night with Denver and San Francisco. You know, I like a. A well played turnover free seventeen to fourteen, but but what was it fifty one forty five is great to watch. Yeah, yes, that's and what I thought. so many, so much skill, and also zero turnovers in that thing, which is something given the way they were, you know, throwing it around. Let me commit heresy here by saying that on Saturday, I was actually rooting for the international team to make it close to give themselves a chance on Sunday in the singles. And I was glad that the international team, where I didn't even know four or five of the players. Big Thomas the Tank fan? Hmm? Tom Kim? Yeah, yeah. It turned out I, I didn't know him at all. Number and, one and, engine? Yeah, I didn't know him at all. I didn't know Munoz at all. And he, he was 3-0-1. So I rooted for the other team, not on Sunday, but on Saturday. Does, is, that a, did, is that a terrible thing? Did, did you feel the same way? Because what, what do you need when it's 21-2? You know, it's just not fun. That's not heresy at all to do i think to do i mean i think there were probably even some you know there were charlotte really really turned out for this thing the crowds yes. were incredible yes it, from afar it seemed like maybe more of a whisper of an event set against the nfl even the labor cup you know set against everything else that was going on in college football uh but but there at you know at the place it seemed like a, a huge deal and was just a reflected so well on charlotte i thought and so there were people in all kinds of patriotic gear you know giant eagles on the front of their shirts and all and i would suspect that maybe even some of those for a moment thought hey it would help if these other guys the international team might win a few matches here and keep this thing from being a farce that's that's how i felt um it's, I'm, I'm interested in your, in your read on this circumstance, because to me it seems like a very second-rate Ryder Cup, and it's hardly ever exciting, and the Ryder Cup is usually exciting. Maybe we know those players a little bit better, but on the ground, maybe it doesn't seem like a second-rate Ryder Cup and doesn't need to be changed. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's right, and I think that's surprising, and this was the first President's Cup I'd ever been to, so I would have thought, you know, it was way behind in terms of enthusiasm and and um, want to and all of that from the players, uh, way behind the Ryder Cup. But seeing it, you know, I, I just, it seemed a little bit that I saw, I just don't think that it's actually that far behind. And, you know, one thing that surprises me is uh, that, so so I, I guess there's about 197 countries in the world, so you, you root 
you rule out Europe and that brings it to 150 and then the U.S. So there's 149 other countries who could be in this thing. And I think there were seven of them in the event. But still, I always wonder, you know, how do you pull together a team like that when the the whole impetus is just, you know, it, well, it's not the U.S. and it's not Europe, you know. And they seem to have done that. And Trevor Immelman, the captain, was seemed to have been great at that. And they're, they refer to the shield and how they're, you know, they're fighting for the shield and they've decided to fight for the shield. So I think it, it actually wound up with a pretty good future coming out of Charlotte when about midway through people were, you know, saying, oh, scrap the whole thing. Um, and I think the emergence of of golf in the great South Korea and in you know in and in Japan and Thailand now and so on. I think it's I think it, it has it does have some promise for the future. It is still a sort of a toddler of events. It, I think it's been twenty eight years old. I was really rooting for Affy Barnrat to be on the international team just because I think he has the greatest name I've ever heard <laughs> of a professional golfer, Affy Barnrat, but he didn't make it. You know, it's too bad because I've seen him play. Um, Michael, isn't it your idea that maybe they could put some women in this and jazz it up a little bit, that, that American women and American men against international men and women? Yeah, yeah, I felt this way for a long time, but I think there's other ways that you can get to that too. I think if you choose anchor sites in different pockets of the world, you can try and get some of that, uh, some of the feel that, that Chuck is describing down in Charlotte. I Adding, you know, making this a mixed event is just one of those ideas, but you're trying to create some sort of cohesion among the participants so it doesn't just feel like it's a, a 20-year wait that weighs down Adam Scott. Yeah. No, what do you think of that, Chuck? Well, I, think, I, think that is, I think that's a great idea for an event, and I think it was getting a lot of momentum about halfway through that thing on the past weekend. And I think now what I hear more is people saying, yes, that's a great idea for an event, so let's have that event too and keep this event as well. Oh, okay. So, so, um, yeah, that just adds more events and, and gives Greg Norman more targets to look at. Um, we need more events. Yeah. Let me go to, let me go to college football and the lead to me. I mean, to most people would be that Georgia looks so great, but to me, and maybe to you too, Kansas is four and oh, Kansas. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Kansas is historically so terrible that the only reason they're in the Big Eight or whatever that thing is called now is because of their basketball team. Because they stink. You have to go back to basically Gale Sayers to find a great Kansas football player. It's 100 years ago. How are they 4-0? I think they have this imaginative offense uh, with a coach uh, whose last name has 10 letters and, and starts with K, so they just call him Coach K. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's remarkable. And, and they played Duke last weekend. But um, I, I think that's it. And I think, it, you know, because it's interesting, they've won at West Virginia and at Houston. So the, this is not scheduling that has gotten them to 4-0, and but I think it's that offense. And then their coach, uh, Lance Leipold, you know, he, he, he won a batch of national titles D3 at Wisconsin-Whitewater, and then went over to Buffalo for a while. And it just seems to have caught, caught something at this moment. Um, and I don't think people have been prepared for that offense. And this just complete delight of a quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who comes from Lawndale, California, in the, in the L.A. sprawl. And uh, just uh, every time they bring him into the, 
to the media room and I watch it on tape, I'm just, you know, I'm just completely charmed. And it, the whole of it, the entire story is the best story of, of the season, for sure. You're absolutely right. I would say this, that if you beat West Virginia and you beat Houston, those are bowl teams. Those are bowl teams. Yes. This, is, this is yeah. not what Northwestern is doing, losing to teams that are D2. No, 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 no. These are D1 strong teams, and I think almost everybody roots for Kansas. The last time they were any good at all, I think Mark Mangino was a coach. Mark Mangino was about 5 feet 8 and 450 pounds. Am I, do, I, do I remember that correctly, Chuck? And they went to the Orange Bowl and, beat, and they won the Orange Bowl um, and went, I think, 12-1 and one that year. Which never and happens. all unraveled. And from 2010 on, they'd never won more than three games in any season, and now they've won four out of four in this season. Happy for them. I'm happy for them. I, I need to ask about this, though. Yesterday, Georgia Tech, and I, I don't know where Georgia Tech comes off doing this and where Georgia Tech thinks that it should be in the national rankings— Georgia Tech fired its coach, Jeff Collins. They also went further. They fired the AD, Stansbury. They said, get out. He'd been there since 2006. This is the third team this year, third big D1 team that has fired a coach before we are halfway through the season. Arizona State fired Herm Edwards, and Nebraska fired Scott Frost. Maybe I've been asleep for a long time, Chuck. I don't remember this. I don't remember firings in the middle of the college football season. I don't. Is this a new thing? Oh, no, this is about, I would say this is, I, I called up all the numbers last fall at some point and did a story. This is, this is about a decade old or maybe really? half a decade old that it's become, uh, you know, Clay Helton at USC comes to mind. He got fired after game two last year. They lost at home to Stanford and he got fi- <clears throat> fired on that Sunday. And then this year, he got a job at Georgia Southern and this year went to Nebraska and beat them, whereupon Frost got fired right. on the Sunday after that. So it's <clears throat> that, that window that we used to have just um, doesn't really exist anymore. It all kind of began, uh, you know, the seed of it is when Arkansas lost to the Citadel in 1990. And they changed coaches right then. And that's the first time I could remember sort of feeling that, boy, that's crazy. And now the crazy, what we used to consider crazy, is considered now, you know, kind of routine. And we're already on three coaches this year. It's very hard to make a case in which a college president can use the word student athletes and at the same time fire a football coach after two games or three games or four games. It's business. That's all this is now, right? And, and, and that's reflected in, in name, image, and likeness. It's just business now. That's right. If I ever put that word in any of my stories, please call the editors, uh, send strongly worded emails and letters and uh, complain. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear about student athletes. It's preposterous. I just don't want to hear about it. It's ridiculous. All right, let me get back to my original. Well, no, before I get to my original point about Georgia, um, I will say that the most stunning result last week for me was not Miami. I don't care about Miami. Miami's been dreck for like five or six years. They're not any good. USC almost lost at Oregon State. What do you make of that? Well, I think... You know, Oregon State's been making bowls. They made a bowl last year. They uh, they have Jonathan Smith as coach. He used to be their quarterback uh, 
20 years ago when they had those great teams under Dennis Erickson and the team that slaughtered Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. And he's he's has been seen all along his coaching days as a really good mind and a and a really good good coach for this era. He had been at Washington before as assistant. And I think I think that 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 game was is with USC we haven't quite yet known you know what the caliber is we think it's really high we know it can be high we know the talent is good the new coach but I I, I think that game was was kind of a, a, a little bit of a trap people saw it it was their first time on the road okay and um I, I, or I'm sorry second time on the road but I think it was um I think I think that game you know it was possible that they could lose it this early in Lincoln Riley's tenure um so i wasn't too thrown by that and i and i um actually was thrown by james madison beating appalachian state after trailing 28 to 3 yeah I, we all like root that. for app state right we all root for them now and you know anyway right, let me get to my original point and i don't want to say that nobody is georgia because alabama is always georgia and alabama recruits great and they've got a great coach but in your mind, is anybody Georgia this year? I think Alabama yeah. is the the way its defensive stats so far just are are amazing and even more than than usual in the way that uh, it's playing. I mean, I mean, I know the Texas game kind of made us all think that they were more gettable than usual, and maybe that's true. But I kind of expect those two to turn up in Los Angeles in January and I kind of expect it that's the title game site and I kind of expect it to be really close when they do and I kind of wonder if Alabama you know how Alabama thinks about last year when they finally lost to Georgia and they think about the two major receivers they lost in the along the last few games and you know maybe they think that we can we can get them this time so but I do think, and Ohio State is very impressive, but I do put Alabama and Georgia above everybody. Yeah. Yeah. My sense when, when Alabama beat Texas was that was the closest they were going to come all year. And they, yeah. they leaned on a Heisman Trophy winner, and he totally delivered. He yeah. totally delivered in the last minute of the game. So He was magnificent. You cannot yeah. count them out. And Georgia looks great, but you'd be a fool to count Alabama out. Thank you, Chuck. We'll talk Thank soon. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. Chuck Culpepper. Wonderful to hear him and even better to read him. Even better to read him in the Washington Post. We will take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Rob Lauver Jr., that's a synthesizer. Yeah. For some reason, I remember this tune. It makes me think of sitting on Santa's lap. <laughs> it makes me think of winter and going to a department store and sitting on Santa's lap. Makes me think it's 2009 or we're listening to Owl City. <laughs> is, that, is that what you think? All right. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. 
That does it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me say, in a little cafe just the other side of the border, she was sitting there giving me looks that made my mouth water. So I started walking her way. She belonged to Bad Man Jose, and I knew, yes, I knew I should leave when I heard her say, yeah, come a little bit closer. You're my kind of man, so big and so strong. Come a little bit closer. I'm all alone, and the night is so long. That's Jay and the Americans. Jay and the Americans is a group where the lead singer the second time around his first name was David, and they made him change it to Jay. <laughs> did, yes. Like, I think it started out with a guy named Jay Trainer, yes. and then it, it ended up with a guy named Jay Black, yeah. but it wasn't really Jay, and then he became Jay, and both singers were great. Yeah, they were both terrific. Both lead singers were great. It's a great song. Caramia, was that another Caramia tune? Caramia Mine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the original song was She Cried. That's right. And there were notes in She Cried. We go, oh my God, no one can hit these notes. Yeah. Uh, thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd, Chuck Culpepper. It's an all Chuck day. Uh, thanks as well to today's sponsor, Simply Safe, Butcher Box, Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From there, less- is a, there is a chill in the air this morning. You know what that means? Shacket. Shacket season. <laughs> Dad is ready my, to go. I had my shacket. Oh, yeah. Go check out Johnny up for the shackets. And also, they have the Finney. Uh, it's, a, it's a lightweight pullover uh, hoodie. That is awesome. Uh, TK Week 1 should still be active. We'll get a new code for you for next month. They make wonderful clothing. Your kids are the best-dressed kids best, in America. Best-dressed kids in the preschool and kindergarten Absolutely. demo. Absolutely. The, the other kids hate them. They say, look how well-dressed they are. Well, they're not articulate enough to actually say that or think that, the other kids. From Les Cossack in Galena, Ohio, in the connective tissue of the show department, you read an email from a listener in a Cleveland suburb about Wooly Willie. I was raised in Cleveland. This summer, my daughter Elizabeth bought a Wooly Willie at a vintage toy store in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. The store clerk said it is still a very popular item. I would definitely support its future inclusion in the Toy Hall of Fame. Although this year, let's all do the right thing and make sure He-Man, Skeletor, and the rest of the Masters of the Universe gang get in. From Mark Schaefer, our friend Mark Schaefer. Love Mark. The Toy Hall of Fame is located at the Strong National Museum of Play, affiliated with the University of Rochester's Strong Memorial Hospital. In particular, the Golisano Children's Hospital, a renowned healthcare facility for children, where my sister happens to work as a child life specialist. The Toy Hall of Fame and Museum of Play are extensions of that institution's committed care for children and their well-being. So these are not just some chumps with a blog doling out awards. Though now I've got the idea to start a Penn Hall of Fame, Bic on the first ballot. (laughs) With regards to upstate New York place names, there are essentially three kinds. Places named by homesick English or Dutch settlers, Liverpool, Albany, Rochester, uh, Hempstead, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Places from classical antiquity, Rome, Syracuse, Ithaca, Corinth, Troy, Utica. Algonquin or Iroquois names as spelled by the Dutch, Schenectady, Poughkeepsie, Shohari, and Kuksaki, Mark Schaefer. That's good to know. From Adam... What? Oh, Carol said Carol says, hi, Mark. From Adam Perlman in Boston. The Toy Hall of Fame talk reminded me of a story. Before moving out to the suburbs, I lived in a condo building in downtown Boston. My apartment was a modest one-bedroom unit. At the other end of the hall lived a couple who had combined several units into a 3,000-square-foot palace. One day I asked someone what the husband did for work, wondering how they could afford such a nice place. Admittedly sexist. Oh, it's not him, I was told. She has the money. Her grandfather was a Hassenfeld brother. Hassenfeld and his brother had started a toy company years ago. Hassenfeld Brothers. Hasbro. Yeah, that Hasbro. Maybe you heard of it. Eat it, Milton Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. Hassenfeld Brothers. I know. I didn't know that. Did not know that. Add another unit. Yes. From Matt Janke from Champaign, Illinois. I started listening to the pod about two years ago when my two friends wouldn't shut up about this old man who goes on hilarious rants multiple times a week. I've been debating how long it takes 
uh, until you officially call yourself a little, and I think I found it. On a trip to Canada this past summer, I came across a sign that made me sick to my stomach. The sign, see attached picture, was a VIP spot reserved for Subaru owners right at the front of the parking lot. Mm. The VIP, of course, standing for very incredible person. My wife was disturbed by my visceral reaction, <laughs> and yet I was proud because I believe my hatred of Subarus finally makes me a little. Thanks for all the entertainment you provide. Please tell Judge Baum and John Elliott to eat it. And there is a picture. VIP spot reserved for Subaru owners. Very incredible person. Yeah, that's just more ammunition. From Josh Cromwell. Why are people still complaining about the way you pronounce Tillamook? Have you ever heard the way you say the word donkey? <laughs> Got to learn to pick your battles, folks. Dungarees. From Tyler Etchenkamp in Lincoln, Nebraska. The cost of a Whopper and medium fries in Lincoln's 1003. Surprisingly, we have nine Burger Kings in Lincoln. P.S. My last name, last name is pronounced Etchenkamp. You pronounced it at Etchenkamp in my first read email. Don't worry. You're not the first and certainly not the last to make this mistake. It's a German name. My greetings are always two-parters. Hi, my name is Tyler Etkenkamp. And yeah, it's spelled E-C-H-T-E-N-K-A-M-P. I got uh, Shad here. Love Shad. About when I thought I'd go out 10 and 8. Thanks for the fresh air. Only hope to play 10 holes. My journey ends here. And a couple of things that I think we have to get to about Steve Sands. Oh, yes. A couple These of things. Fantastic. From Andrew Bajwa, B-A-J-W-A, or Bajwa. Morning, Uncle Tony. I had one goal at the TPC Scottsdale in February. Mission failed. Although I did see Sam Ryder's ace on 16, that wasn't the goal. It was truly a bummer. Fast forward to Sunday at Quail Hollow. Mission accomplished. I found Mr. LaCheeserie himself under a camera tower on the 18th. I hurled a hearty LaCheeserie his way and he came over. I asked him for a picture. He was more than happy. However, I saw it click in his head. Oh, this is a Tony fan, not just another rum-dum. He leaned in as if to give me the interview, and it was great. And there was a picture attached. There's another picture here from Andrew Green in Davidson, North Carolina. The star power, this past weekend President's Cup was palpable with the players, former presidents, and celebrities. However, it paled in comparison to the opportunity to meet Steve Sands. I spotted him on the other side of 16 Green Friday, told everyone around to cover their ears, and yelled a hearty lachiserie. He raised his hand in acknowledgement, and I sprinted around the green, jumped the ropes, as one guy said, that was aggressive, and asked him for a picture. He replied, absolutely, and then was gracious with his time as we chatted for a moment, and then again on 18 Fairway. Talking with Steve was like talking to an old friend. The connective tissue runs deep. Steve Sands truly is a man of the people. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. What a waste of time. God. The tear in his eye, a beginner to the broken heart. He said, Mama, no matter what blue I use, my world just falls apart. So he packed his bags and cat and hitchhiked up 95. And it was 2 a.m., the boy's eyes were red, but he could see that skyline. Stella's going up to New York City and I'm getting the pieces stuck in my heart She said that she don't need me this time This time I'm falling Stella's leaving me for someday She got it all worked out It ain't cool with the sun don't shine at all There's no rest for the wicked child And Stella hadn't slept in days My 
was a haze in New York City, sunshine, JD, and cocaine. She was just a, a crazy child, born of the son of a revolution. Oh, and sifted through the sand, but who knows who? Mm. And she was like, let's go downtown tonight. I need food, so I don't mind dying. Please don't let me fall asleep alone. Stella's going up to New York City and I'm getting the pieces stuck in my heart. She said that she don't need me this time. It's time I'm falling. Stella's leaving me for Sunday. She got it all worked out. It ain't cool when the sun don't shine at all. Stuck in my heart She said that she don't need me this time This time I'll be falling Stella's leaving me for Sunday She got it all worked out And it ain't cool when the sun don't shine at all Stella just won't slow down Stella just won't slow down So down Hyperdrive. 